Welcome to Breaking Silos. We are an interdisciplinary student-run podcast that exists to foster interdisciplinary development in higher education. We think that this goal can be achieved by breaking the academic silos and by showcasing interdisciplinary ideas, conversations, and by providing professional development for graduate students with the ultimate goal of preparing them for solving real-world problems in academia or industry. I'm your co-host, Prakrit, and I'm a graduate student studying neurobiology with a focus in genomics, and I'm accompanied by my co-host, Scott, who is a third-year PhD student studying high-energy astrophysics. Well, welcome to this episode of Breaking Silos. We hope you enjoy this. Hello, everybody. My name is Prakrit, and I am with my co-host, Scott. And today we're going to be talking about the journey to graduate school. And this is Breaking Silos. And we welcome you all to this podcast and this special episode featuring David, whom I'll let Scott introduce. Hey, folks, this is Scott. Uh, and today we are really lucky to have David Sanders. He is a senior undergraduate physics student at Clemson University with a minor in math. And he's also the president of the Society of Physics Students. Uh, which is a group of undergraduate physics students uh, at Clemson, and, and the, this is a society that stretches all over. When I was an undergrad, I was, I was an SPS uh, myself. And David here, recently, so we are uh, in the spring, it's it were January of uh, 2023, so Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, David recently finished applying to, I think he said, 12 12, yeah, gra- 12 grad schools. Yeah. 12 graduate schools. And, you know, while it's fresh in his mind, uh, we thought we'd bring him in and talk about this, um, this whole journey or this whole process of what does it take to apply to a graduate school um, and also maybe how it's changed between uh, when Prakrit and I applied back in uh, 2019 and now back in the 20, uh, with David in 2022 and 2023. And so, uh, David, I guess, can you, just to start us off, could you give us a, a summary of your application uh, to graduate school as in what you did, what did you have to do, and uh, maybe the timeline, you know, is it, was it a year long, was it, you know, uh, a couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, take it away. All right, sweet. Thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. I really appreciate that. Um, so for me, I started kind of early, some earlier than some of my peers. Um, I recommend starting early. So I started my junior year, first semester, looking towards like, because I knew I wanted to go to grad school. I had that advantage as I, I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I started looking ahead and going, okay, this is what I wanted to do. And we actually had some panels for SPS with other grad students talking about this. Scott was at some of those. Um, so I started looking ahead first semester junior year. This man is a smart man. I started yeah. <laughs> much later than David. I smart yeah. much too late. So once you get going on that process, you know, you're looking at, you know, what's, what programs do I want to do? What's my field of interest? You know, and you start narrowing that down and then you go, okay, well, these are the schools that offer that. And you say, okay, well, if those schools offer what I'm interested in, who do they have there? Like, what kind of professors? What do they do, like, specifically? Like, do they have students? Are they producing good students? These are all, like, red flags. Like, if you go to a professor and all of their grad students leave or they don't have any and they're not publishing papers and you have, they have no funding and you're like, what's going on? Don't apply for those. Just watch out for that. It's a red flag. Um, so in terms of the regular application, I know this changed recently, uh, uh, like, after COVID, right? So you guys, I believe... Uh, I think Scott, you had required GRE testing, right? Yeah, so I I had to uh, at Clemson. I think you could waive it. Uh, you mm-hmm. could waive your GRE. 
but almost every other university I applied to, I had to have uh, the regular GRE as well as the physics GRE. Uh, that was m about 50-50, the physics GRE, something you could waive or not, not have to report. Uh, but the GRE had to be taken uh, for, for, I think I applied to a similar number, maybe 9 or nine to 12 schools. Right. And uh, yeah, you also needed uh, the GRE. But you're telling me that you applied and no GRE. I applied to 12 schools, didn't take the GRE mm -hmm. a single time, never did any of that. Oh, and I guess for people who don't know, the GRE is sort of like the way it's always described to me is it's like the SAT, but for going to grad school rather than going to undergraduate school. And that's know? exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. So it's a nightmare standardized test that no one really enjoys taking. Uh, so I got to dodge that bullet and I hope that changed days. I really do. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have definitely very strong views about the GRE because I don't think a standardized test really assesses how, how well you're going to you know, do in graduate school. Right. Um, I also think it keeps poor people out of graduate school, including the, the hefty application fees that, that invo are involved. Like it's oh like my 90 gosh. bucks per yeah. school or something like that. So I think a lot of schools are, are kind of waiving this uh, or like a, getting away with these application fees of, uh, of different kinds, and of course the GRE as well, which I, I guess is helpful because it allows more people to attend graduate school. Right. But yeah. Now, I guess one thing I would add, so I, I went to a smaller university for undergrad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, thankfully, there was a lot of research opportunities. So you would hope that when you're applying to schools, that they see the research that you do and they say, aha, you can do research. But just like applying to a job, if you're trying to get into the top schools, because a lot of these places, you know, you know, it matters what name is next to your name. Right. And so if you are you're trying to apply to a top school and they've never heard of, you know, for me, Hope College or something. Yeah. If you want to show that That's you can compete point. and you want to separate yourself, mm. something like, although it's super painful and I obviously didn't, you know, put in the time, I didn't have the wisdom to see that, you know, oh, for these schools, it's not just the research. It's some of these other things. Right. You know, that if I, if you do really well on something like the physics GRE, you separate yourself and you show that, oh, I can compete at this high level. Mm -hmm. And when you are a, a top school, you can be choosy. Uh, you can be, cho as, you, as an advisor, you can be choosy. As a school, you can be choosy. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, uh, this is a, a sorry, s sort of side comment, but I know a guy and, and uh, he got into Stanford and mm. he found out uh, later that the professor only takes people who have patents or papers already published. Wow. Weird. And he... That's a high standard. He got really lucky because he worked at a defense contractor and he had a buddy throw his name on this patent that they like were working on. Wow. Hence, wow. he hey, had a patent right when there. he was an undergrad, right? Wow. But, but like, he was like, yo, dude, like if this guy hadn't thrown my name on this patent, no way. Wow. There's that's no insane. way. Because at that level, you can be picky. But yeah. that's the thing. That shows you how competitive... You know, academia is, and, and you know, it's when people make comparisons to like the NFL. It's like, yeah, you only have a few thousands of professor positions in the United States. Yeah, right? that's yeah, Absolutely. yeah. So, anyways, uh, you know, the, the, so there's a lot to be said about the GRE, and you know, we we could be <laughs> we here, go all, here day all day talking about that. About that. Yeah. yeah, but anyways, that's uh, we can keep going. I just want to throw the the two cents in. Uh, uh, about that as well. Yeah, I think that's that's super helpful to like to like discuss as well, and for even a listener to kind of know what what graduate school applications entail, and and maybe why even GRE was a thing, you know, because it does kind of tell you about a certain character of of the applicant, and and you know just how they are um, 
on, of course, a wholesome level. But I guess I'm, I'm very interested in, in the interest of time to like know. Um, sounds like you are, you've always been interested in, in graduate school and pursuing research, and you've started that early. Yeah. Did at any point you think that you wanted to pursue industry? Because you know, what will happen is that you'll probably see as you enter grad school, and I hope you get into your dream school, but you will see like people getting into industry and like achieving some, some life goals earlier than, than you, you probably would. Yeah, yeah. So you like, see a lot of that, actually. Yeah, for Everybody sure. goes in industry. They make tons and tons of money, That's and you're back here. You're still in school, and you're, you're making, you know, as little as they can pay you. Yeah, uh, man. It's, and it's you're hoping it through. <laughs> I, I get that a, a lot every day, actually. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I would just love to know, like, um, like, like, was there ever some kind of a thought that, like, or even now, like, is because some people keep their options open, like they apply mm -hmm. to grad school and apply to jobs, and some of our listeners are probably going to be, caught between the two, like, should I apply for jobs? Because the career fair is coming up in the month of February here at Clemson University. Uh, and maybe some people have already applied to graduate school as well. So, uh, like, what reasons were, were, like, enough for you to, like, be sure that this is the path that I want to pursue and, and I'm going to put in my best effort into that? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, so, when I got interested in physics and I went to my undergraduate and started working on this stuff, once I started doing research and started taking more interesting classes, Something about it, like, I could not stay away from it if I tried. Like, when I think about it, like, you know, where am I going to be in, like, 20 years, 30 years? I can't imagine it without doing interesting physics work, right? Wow. So, for me, that was it. I was like, I have to go to grad school. I have to keep learning more. Like, I cannot imagine a life where I don't do that. I just need to know more. I need to learn everything I can. That's where I want to be, you know? You know, those... I will say that because so he's applying for a PhD program and and I want to say that that is such a good reason to apply to graduate school because for me that journey was not linear at all yeah and looking back into it I think I applied to the PhD programs for the wrong reasons because I kind of did not know what to do next right so uh, which which I guess is not the best reason but <laughs> luckily for me um, you know I, I had like a master's degree before I came in so so for me I kind of knew okay you know what there was some sense of understanding of what I was signing up for, but but clearly, you know, definitely want the listener to know that not everybody has it figured out, and of course, it's it's the journey is not linear for everybody. Yeah. I want to say too, when when you're deciding what you want to do after undergraduate, you should really like think about what it means for you, mm -hmm. think about what's going to make you the happiest in the future, set your mind on that goal, and like don't let anybody stop you from that goal. Whether it's Absolutely. industry or graduate school, you got to make it to one of the like make it out there. You know, keep going. Don't let anybody stop you. Don't let them say, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know if you can really do that. Grad school is really hard. Uh, industry, it's kind of, you know, there's not a lot of jobs or whatever they say, you know. You, you got you to gotta make your way, you know. Don't let anybody stop Absolutely. you. So test of resilience for sure. Yeah, and so, sorry, this is a, um, just maybe a side uh, comment. David, is the research you did in, in undergrad uh, related to what you want to do in graduate school? Oh, that's a perfect question. It's absolutely not. <laughs> that is awesome because that's the same for me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing research currently in, it's technically biophysics, mm. but a lot of my work is actually like coding and doing a bunch of like uh, software stuff as well as now a little bit of like circuit design stuff. So mm. when, when you're doing research as an undergrad, I wouldn't necessarily focus, if you can, great, focus on the field you want to do, but obviously not everybody knows. Sometimes it's not offered. So I would say focus on developing the skills, like hard skills and soft skills that you can apply to your application. So for me, that means going, by the way, grad school, I know how to do Python programming. I know how to do a little bit of machine learning. 
by the way, I also built some circuits. You know, by the way, I also did a thing in the summer that gave me more programming. And, you know, build on your skills, mm-hmm. you know, and then mm-hmm. also say, hey, by the way, I worked in a lab. I know how to work with people, you know. Mm-hmm. I've, I've worked in a small group environment. I know what it's like, you know. Whether or not it's directly what it, you're doing doesn't matter, you know. You want to be able to show that you've developed skills. This is what you have to show for. Yeah. No, and same for me. I was in a surface materials lab, mm. and now I'm studying high-energy astrophysics, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was doing batteries, and now I'm coding and doing something completely different. It, it does, you know, uh, humble you a little bit when you are cleaning up your CV, and you're like, this skill set does not line up with this skill set, you know? Absolutely. Here. But it, it expands your horizon into something else, you know? So, uh, yeah, I just I want our listeners to be aware of that, that you don't need to be doing what matters more is exactly what you're saying is you need to have a, a breadth of knowledge and a skill set where you can apply it to almost any other field. Yeah. And, and being able to, and that's what the beauty of research is that you and I both want to keep doing research, even though we worked in a field we didn't want to be in. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I think that was the thing is research is so exciting to me. I was so curious about it uh, that even in a field I wasn't particularly interested in, I still, like, wanted to keep doing it just in a different field. Exactly, right? so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, I guess uh, um, something I, you know, uh, would be interested to hear from you is how did you choose the universities that you wanted to apply to? Uh, and what did you consider uh, when applying, especially when it comes to what's available from, you know, uh, professors and positions or you know, are you getting paid or, you know, any of these things? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big question. Like when you go down, so for me, I started on like grad school shopper, you know, I just went down the list, (laughs) saw what programs that I was interested in that were offered, where are they? And, you know, uh, you need to look at professors, you need to look at programs, but there's another aspect, like, I think that most people need to be aware of. um, And that's the culture of the place you're going to, you know? So obviously we're in South Carolina and I might be moving anywhere in the north, the west, the northwest, the south. You know, it could be anywhere, you know. And I know a couple guys that actually went, I think it was in Maine somewhere, but he went up there and then came back because he just didn't really like the vibe up there, you know. And I think that's one of the things that people often overlook is the general vibe, the atmosphere, you know. When you're going to this place, is it somewhere you can see yourself living there for like maybe five to eight years, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel that's really important because I moved here from Massachusetts. Right. So this is a huge culture change for me. And I think Scott's from Michigan as well, and like you wow. know, school out there. So, yeah, knowing because your life, your personal life, your com- communal life, kind of outside the social life, it, it very strongly dictates um, your academic success and and your well being. So that's right. very important variable to consider for sure. Yeah. And then something I guess you probably haven't experienced yet, but you know, once you're starting to get. Uh, maybe offers or uh, part of the offer process. So for Clemson's physics department, uh, part of the evaluation, uh, if you get an offer, is they would fly you down here mm-hmm. and you'd interview in person. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to, like, you know, whether or not uh, once you get in or if it happens before or after, uh, talking to the people that you plan to work with for the next five to six years of your life is pretty important thing, you know, and, and not going in completely blind. And one thing I did like about here is exactly the culture. There was a, you know, it's you matter as a person uh, 
like your research matters, but you also matter as a person. That, that definitely was pretty clear from the, the advisors here, or the culture of, you know, what they wanted. And so, mm-hmm. um, but what else uh, would, you, would you say, you know, besides, you know, culture and location, uh, you know, you're applying all over the, the U.S., uh, uh, what else would you say is important? Oh, be very aware of, you know, the, the, I'll say the range of the schools you're applying to, right? Have some, some breadth in, you know, I'm not going to apply to all Ivy Leagues because I'm going to get rejected from all Ivy Leagues, you know, <laughs> and I'm not going to apply, maybe, yeah. maybe. well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to apply to the, the worst schools in the country, sorry, those schools, um, and I'm, you know, you want to apply to some good ones, some reach ones, some middle-of-the-road ones, and some, I wouldn't call them safeties because there's no such thing as a safety in grad school, but kind of safety schools. Well, and I don't know if, if you thought this way, I, I was recommended the same thing, and I basically was like, I'm going to apply to schools that I feel that I could would fit in, that mm-hmm. I would r- be able to run with, mm-hmm. and I would apply for reach schools. The idea of going to a school I don't want to go to exactly w- never interested in me. Like, Dude, yeah. why the heck would I be spending my 20s at a school I don't want to be at? Like, mm-hmm. grad exactly. school's already hard enough. You know, why would I do that? Like, I think I would hate research after that. That's what uh, a big thing is. Do not apply there if you do not want to go there. Yeah, this idea of like, oh, if I don't get into any grad schools, like I'm a failure or whatnot. No, it's just like there are things way outside of your control when it comes to applying to graduate school, mm-hmm. uh, I think. And, and so, you know, apply to the places you want to go to. And then, you, I don't know, you hear those stories about the people who like, go to the admissions office every single day being like, yo, give me a spot, give me a spot, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, and, and so I don't know. It depends on how badly you want it at some places. Absolutely. Uh, and I think I met a lot of people last summer during my, like, summer experience, which let me talk to a lot of, they, at this point, they're, like, well-established in their field. But these are people, hearing their story, their journey to their current job, which a lot of that was in, like, quantum computing and that sort of thing, None of them had, almost none of them, had a completely linear path. Mm. No one said, this is what I want to do, and they headed straight for it, and they got there, no questions asked. Almost always, you're going to get knocked off of this linear path that you think you're taking. You're going to change your mind. Something's going to happen. You're going to come back. You're going to go all sorts of ways and end up somewhere maybe you never even expected. Mm. So, you know, just be aware of that. Be aware that, you know, life's going to throw a lot at you, like Scott was saying, and you're not always going to get to pick quite so strictly what happens mm. yeah i think that's that's a really important realization and just just normalizing that yeah it's not all about perfection and you know just life it just present some people just present the most perfect journey mm-hmm. due to a lot of things but in in reality that's not really the case mm-hmm. and we just hear less and less about that but something that's really pertinent to this topic is um like preparing for this and like you know getting le- letters of recommendation um, I think like there's a couple of different things about this. One of them is who do you get it from? Because you know yeah. I also I've had like like I said my journey has not been very linear. I've applied to dental school as well at some point. So I've had <laughs> I didn't know that really. Yes, I, my parents are dentists, so I I applied wow. to dental school and I've done a lot of applications by now. So um, so like who do you get letters of recommendation from? Like as far as what has a higher kind of importance as you know when a reader of a letter of recommendation wants to uh, read one from a, a PI that you work closely with. You know, mm-hmm. when I was in applying for dental school, I was I, I got it from a campus minister who I was really close to, who could outline me outside of science. Exactly. Um, so so yeah, like what was what was that journey like for you? Like what did you prioritize and how did you prepare for things uh, so like, like that? What gave me a particular advantage, I think, was 
you know, getting involved in things. Mm. I think that's a big mistake a lot of uh, early undergrads make is they don't, they're not involved in any research. They don't get involved in any groups, any extracurriculars. They go to the classes. They don't say a word. They go home. That's the end of their day, you know. Mm. You gotta, you, you're going to want to get to know the professors. You're going to want to know to get, get to know some of the grad students, Absolutely. you know, get to know the community. And then once you get established in that, you want to talk to the people for letters of recommendation that know you the best. Mm. And like you said, outside of the classroom, because you want them to say something on that letter that tells the grad schools more than your GPA and your transcript does. Mm, good, it yeah. does you no good if all they can say about you is he has a 4.0 GPA and all A's. Like that's useless. Mm. That tells you nothing about this person. You yeah. want them to really like get to know you, be able to say something about you as a person, about your character, about your work ethic, about, mm. you know, for me, uh, I asked uh, the professor I do a lot of research with. I asked another professor who is the advisor of SPS. And I asked uh, my uh, REU like previous boss, mm. mm -hmm. which these are all people that I've worked with. I've done things with. And when I say get involved in stuff, sometimes that means going the extra mile. Right. That's and good. this sounds bad and it almost sounds like getting brownie points. But if there's sometimes there's opportunities for you to do a little bit extra mm. and that'll separate you from everybody else. That'll get you that really good letter that you really need, you know, is putting in that extra hard work. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I'm also willing to admit I have no idea how effective, you know, uh, what the letters of rec do and how they're written. Because, you know, I, you don't see them or at least I didn't. Right. You know, but uh you know, but in some places you hear these shady stories of yeah. people like, hey, just write it yourself or whatever. And, yep. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, like there's a, you know, I've talked to some of these, you know, from the grad school side of things. You talk to some of these professors when your letters of rec now matter a lot if you were applying for postdocs and stuff, like mm -hmm. way more in than in grad school. And one of these older professors was telling us about the art of de deciphering one of these uh uh, letters, you know, can you tell that they know them? Can you tell they have something good to say? Are they pulling teeth when it comes to it? But uh, besides that, and, and putting that all aside, because the the magic of, you know, uh, how letters of rec are actually evaluated, I do have to say that I totally agree with you, David, that uh, showcasing different aspects with the different letters is really important. So I worked with... Uh, two different professors on, on research, but I remember having one of them focus on leadership mm. because in, in that lab, I had to train three or four students um, on, on the equipment as well as on the accelerator and whatnot, while the other professor, uh, I had, had uh, me talk about my science mm. and the research that I did because although I was doing research with both of them, it was... Uh, different ones had different things that could be brought to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's your point exactly about, you know, you know, having people recommend you, but focus on different areas. Cause you know, and because all of them were also professors I had in class. Yeah. So they knew, they knew how I did that. But you know, they, uh, I think that's an important thing that they, they see you in more than one dimension. Right. Uh, and something you kind of touched on, I think is, you know, these guys, some of these people I've been working with almost four years now. Like some of these people I walked oh, in the wow. door, like I, I saw them during orientation and I've known them ever since, right? These people have seen me on a path, right? And that's the other thing is you want to focus on that, that development, not just showing that, you know, you have this or you've done this, but show this person has the ability to change and to adapt and to learn and not just be some static being, right? And I think that's also important. Yeah. 
And so I guess uh, the last thing that, that we want to ask you uh, here is uh, with regards to uh, any recommendations uh, that you would give people applying to graduate school um, and uh, especially resources and help. Uh, I know there's some resources here at, at, at Clemson that students have access to, uh, but then, you know, what did you use and uh, what did you find helpful? And, and maybe, uh, you know, so you said you started applying in, in uh, or you started thinking about it junior year fall or something. Yeah, yeah. And then you end up writing your, your, uh, your applications or something, you know, senior year fall, is that right? Is that yeah, the, yeah, that's about right. In terms of, uh, and then you're getting your letters of rec, you know, later in the fall or you're, you're asking them, is that? Uh, yeah, that's know, about right. Uh, you know, so that's a pretty typical timeline is everything falls into place in, the, in your senior year fall. And so mm -hmm. doing the work ahead of time, you know, helps out yeah. quite a bit. Uh, so I would say, I mean, the timeline you said was great. And a couple of things you need to be aware that you're actually going to have to write for every single one of these applications. Mm -hmm. And they are very similar, but there are some distinctions. There's things that are like statements of purpose, academic statements of purpose, letters of intent. And sometimes those lines get a little blurred. So watch out for that. Um, read your applications carefully. There are often prompts associated with these things. And sometimes they're very specific. Mm -hmm. Some of them want to hear more about your academics and your research. Some of them want to hear, hey, this is who I am as a person. This is why I want to do grad school. Mm. And you need to be careful because if you just copy-paste it into every single box you find because it looks the same, you will submit something and they'll go, this is, what is this? Uh, throw it out. Yeah. You know? yeah. So be aware of that. Um, and just, I would recommend talking to grad students. That has been a big help for me. Uh, those panels that we had, so SPS hosted some graduate school panels, so you got to get to know what you're looking at. Um, Find those people that have just gone through this and ask them what they would have done differently. Mm -hmm. Ask them, you know, what do I need to do? How do I get prepared? Talk to professors even. Talk to anybody that will talk to you and find out all you can, you know? Mm -hmm. What you're going to get out of this really is you're only going to get what you put into it, you know? Mm -hmm. If you're not going out there and meeting people and connecting and finding out information, it's going to be a painful process. But if you get ahead of it, Start working early. Start writing these things early. Ask people to review them. Mm -hmm. Ask people, hey, does this make sense? Like, if I write this statement, like, this is my whole statement of purpose. Does it read as though I am an intelligent person and not just making this up? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. those are all really important things. Well, and I, I don't know about you, but I found that, um, you know, you can go through and, like, read people's examples of, of mm -hmm. some, some of the stuff. But I found that for me, I'm a very iterative writer mm -hmm. so that I need to sit down and go through and, and write, you know, m make an outline and, mm -hmm. and write what I want for my statement of purpose. But if I really put in the time, if I really like wanted to make this great, I would realize that, oh, 99% of people would have written an almost identical statement of purpose. Mm -hmm. Like they, they just have similar ideas of what they would talk about. And then you're like, oh, I need to update this. I need to change this, make this unique, make this about me. Absolutely. But a lot of people like... You know, if you're in a position where you did well in college, you know, people are going to think sort of like you. And, and so having a new way to look at things uh, and, and bring something to the table, right? This, uh, you know, my brother's a high school teacher and, you know, having people apply to undergrad is a similar way. You need to distinct yourself, make yourself distinctive, you know, <laughs> in, in this process. Uh, yeah. And 
I don't know. I, I, I think that's, that's very difficult to do. It uh, is incredibly hard. And it, it takes time. It, it takes it, so long. That's yeah. why I seriously recommend get started early. Like, yeah. start yesterday, you know. <laughs> if you're an undergraduate, start yesterday, man. Like, your freshman year, that's fine. You know, it's a big year, big adjustment period. Sophomore year, you should start looking ahead. Junior year, mm-hmm. you should really be rocking these things. Get some, I know at Clemson, there's a lot of research opportunities, CIs, groups you can join. Get involved with stuff, mm-hmm. you know. You want to be thinking, you know, even for industry or grad school, you want to be building skills the whole way through. Like, if you're really serious about doing what you're doing, you need to be building yourself up as a person going through this. You know, that's the whole idea, I think, of college is you want to be able to get to the end and go, all right, this is all everything that I got out of this, whether it's social or academic or whatever else, you know. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, You know, as as we kind of land the plane here, I'm just... Kind of the big ideas that I'm getting from you is is like you talk to a lot of people and you know this is something that we're hoping to start with with this podcast that mm-hmm. can, that this indeed can be a resource that can inform people of, of journeys and kind of vicariously learn through your experience um, and and yeah also like I think one more thing that stood out to me based on what you said and what should be the case is that when the when the people who are reading your applications like will when they read your application will they be able to tell that okay this person is a person who will really positively add value to this graduate program, help in developing, you know, a bunch of undergrads if there is an undergrad focus in that institution. Um, and can can, that, can this person handle the rigors and, and intellectually develop him, themselves or and help with the intellectual development of others? I think those are um, comprehensively what, what people want to see as they read. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think definitely being cognizant enough not repeating yourself and and knowing the differences between the letter of intent and all those things non all the prompts um i think it's extremely beneficial and even if you are not at that stage you know clemson because we are all of us are based here in clemson um we're going to be bringing on um a staff member from the Center for Career and Professional Development, and you can learn about about resources that are available to you. It's it's yes, it's it's better to start early, uh, but you know somebody has to start somewhere. So so I think we'll have somebody come and talk a little bit about what resources are available, especially as as we have the career fair coming up next um, next month. So stay tuned for that right after this conversation. Well, David, I just want to thank you so much for, for your time. I hope. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, David. And I do have to say, even if, you know, Prakrit and I, you know, we mentioned maybe shortcomings in our own applications or things that we should have done differently. But look at, like, we're here. We're graduate yeah, you students guys made it. at a place that, you know, I'm excited to be with a, with professors doing good mm-hmm. research. And, that, and that's the thing that can be difficult is, you know, uh, finding out, you know, that... Uh, my professor in Clemson, South Carolina, is doing really good research in this area. Was like a surprise to me because you're yeah. like, ah, oh, you know what? It's Clemson, you know, it's a football team, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, oh no, there is a lot out there, and mm. some places can carve out a niche where it's like the astronomy program is really strong here, and you know, and and I don't know anything about the biological sciences. It's also pretty strong here because yeah, it's, it's climbing. It's definitely coming up for sure. Because there's come a, apply to Clemson if somebody's getting <laughs> <hearing> this <laughs> free advertising. So. Yeah. Uh, but yes, David, thank you so much for, for being here and, and, and helping us out today. Uh, it's been a, a real pleasure. And, and uh, so this is Scott. And this is Prophet. And this is David. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you.